Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, the only podcast devoted entirely to lisping lovers and gossips. Gasp. We'll be reviewing every episode with takes so hot they rate a 60 on the Scoville scale, and unmissable segments like which is more offensive, blackface or gay slurs, oh. and how long is the perfect suicide note. Isn't 60 on the Scoville scale like just a jalapeno? Oh, it's not it's even very low. Tabasco. It's, yeah. it's like a red, a red Hots, Frank's Red Hot. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm Hans Seidemann, and I'll be hosting today's episode. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Kalina McCortoff in London, England. Hi, Kalina. Merry morning to you. Excellent. Also joining me is our resident possessed person, Stuart Derek Kotick from Vancouver. Contextual reply. <laughs> Excellent. And the power of Christ compels you. The last but not least, joining Stu in Vancouver, we have Trevor Record. <laughs> Why? Good boy. Good boy. I, I didn't Good boy. like his joke. It's, he had a joke that said, I put the tea back in Trevor. I was like, God, horse is funnier. <laughs> This is why we don't have our own show. <laughs> Quick aside, I've been uh, calling Kalina K-pop and Trevor T-Rex, and I've decided recently that I should start calling Stu S-Club. S-Club. Which sent us all into a S-Club 7 Wikipedia page. <laughs> Found out right. so much about S-Club 7. <laughs> Give us some facts, quickly. Well, this isn't an S-Club no. 7 podcast, so Yet. let's get on with the episode. Today, we'll be reviewing episode 13 of season 2, which aired on March 12th, 1991. Let's kick off with our sketch rundown. We've got Good Cop, Bad Cop, where the police department works on their traffic control skills. Phone sex, in which a drunk and sexually adventurous Scott has some explosive phone sex with the chicken lady. <laughs> Spit real far. Uh... Our fact-toting girl is back to tell us about her uncle's expectorating prowess. Stu's favorite bit of the episode, I'm sure. Uh, children's Novelist is next, where Kevin struggles with the plot of his latest novel and the murderous <laughs> jealousy of a beautiful blonde played by Scott. Good thing about being a cop, in which we learn that apparently cops get well paid. Uh, yeah. He sells shoes, a sketch where we meet a much more evil version of Fletcher Christian. <laughs> Uh, Fago, where Scott <laughs> solves the problem with a gay slur. Uh, Bigfoot, more facts from our favorite girl about the talents of a mysterious creature. Then we have Bluesman Heckler. Mark wears blackface again. Why is Mark wearing blackface again? Seriously, can we stop it with the blackface? I just want to laugh at a dumb sketch comedy show. Uh, then we have In Love with 45 Years, or In Love for 45 Years, rather. Where the with fact 45 girl, years. I'm in love with 45 years. It's my second uh, favorite date. Seems like a good amount of years. <laughs> yes. I don't know if but I love But In Love for 45 Years is a sketch where the fact girl shares with us a touching tale of romance. And then finally, we have the really boring suicide note, where <laughs> Brute's suicide note is way too long. Yeah. Kevin. Bro, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet baby Kevin. Uh, oh, sweet baby Kevin. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on with our first segment, uh, which I've kind of titled Touching the Third Rail. Uh, I feel like we've kind of talked about the blackface thing to death already. Um, spoiler alert. It's bad <laughs> and they shouldn't have done it. Um, but here it is again. Uh, notably, though, in this episode, we also have Scott trying to solve the problem with the word faggot. And the episode closes with an extended joke centered on suicide. So the question I pose is, why do we think the kids are so drawn to these kinds of third rail topics? 
and as much as we clearly don't appreciate some of them, is this willingness to play with taboos part of what makes them stand out so much? Stu, I feel like you have some thoughts about this, so why don't you start us off? Mm, yeah. Uh, my first thing is I love the suicide sketch, so I'm obviously biased. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's hard to say why they did things with so much time having passed, but we know from secondary sources, Paul Myers, cough, uh, <laughs> uh, he made a line along the lines of, uh, Kith didn't try to be edgy, they tried to make comedy that they thought was funny. So, like, with that understanding, what makes the kids laugh? And their voice does have some range, but like, what did they? What makes them laugh? What do they like? They like the dark. They like the macabre. They tend to mm. embrace and embody counterculture. Like, we talk about kids in the hall as part of the almost like punk scene in terms of DIY mm -hmm. aesthetic, like the lo-fi montage, the almost like intentionally shitty sets or premises, the refusal to shy away from taboo. But I think a big part of that presentation is the attraction towards stirring a strong emotional response in the viewership, and it's mm -hmm. almost like this borderline antagonistic relationship with the audience it's like in a lot of ways kids in the hall are the sizzler sisters <laughs> we just end up cheering for them because they're we are insane um and also having said that blackface is bad <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah, sure I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to actually separate the blackface sketch from the other two you mentioned too it's like i don't think that the blackface sketch was edgy like that was not the idea it was yeah. legitimately just like Mark is a dope that thought it was fine for him to wear blackface and pretend to be a blues man. It well, didn't go any further than that. There was no humor in him trying to play with people's boundaries. He's just like, look, I'm a blues man. <laughs> and the, <laughs> amazing. And the last time he came good, up, good yuck, Trevor. Yeah. He, uh, Mark was out of blackface and made a whole comment about like, oh, I'm actually privileged. And yeah. I'm not actually. And we thought that maybe he had this like second level of enlightenment about how he shouldn't have done that. And then he's right back into blackface. That that being said, uh, we, we, to be fair, to be fair, uh, to be fair. <laughs> I don't I don't uh, know whether they were ever trying to be edgy per se, but I I do think that they find humor in making people extremely uncomfortable. Like they do think that just making people feel awkward is pretty funny, and that's definitely what's going on with their suicide sketch. Like I don't know if it's a, if edgy is the right word for it, but they mm. do think that there's something inherently funny about this idea that everyone has to go see their friend that committed suicide and it's really awkward and you know that they were really trying to push people's boundaries in that sense mm -hmm. it's definitely taboo right like yeah and i i mean it's it's interesting because you think i know we constantly make this comparison but with um other sketch shows like snl where you think about you're trying to get the mass late night audience i've never felt like that is what kids in the hall despite being on say like a canadian uh, public broadcaster was really trying to do um i mean i i you know it's it's clear to see why they have a cult following um and i do appreciate that boundary pushing otherwise we clearly wouldn't be doing a podcast mm. um they're looking at that boundary pushing look at sort of sexuality as well as the suicide line it just <laughs> seems like they just left no areas out of bounds and that often worked in their favor um but I mean, there was that recent episode we had uh, where there was the sketch at the train station where Mark, as the gay vampire, Mach 2, uh, was trying to save Dave from being beaten up by a bunch of gay bashing thugs. Um, that was an example where they were unfortunately, um, you know, making an attempt to be on the right side of history, but just comedically it fell flat. Mm. So like you could be like that almost could have been, I felt like a PSA rather than a sketch show uh, segment. Um, but in contrast, then we get things like the Fago sketch with Scott. I mean, it's tongue-in-cheek tongue enough, um, trying to figure out, you know, 
why which letter in a word makes it so goddamn offensive <laughs> you know draws things in like the prosecution of homosexuals through religion and it's just both subversive and funny and so um you know even even comparing sketches like that where they're both taboo issues both about sort of gay uh humor they i don't know like comedically there still has to be that kind of formula so it's not like you can just say oh we're you know say pro lgbt like there has to they they clearly ha- tried and failed in some cases and then obviously really win at it in others yeah i think you know the the point uh, that you were making Stu and trevor you echoed it as well that they they weren't really trying to be edgy they were just trying to be funny and whatever they found funny was what worked i mean i think it's one of those things where and and you're correct as well kalina i think which is that if, if you're gonna watch this show and appreciate it like you're gonna have moments where it really rubs you the wrong way because they're they're kind of always playing at the edges of of what they of what is kind of funny right um and so you know whereas we're turned off by you know the blackface sketches which are how to, how to put this they're not like the premise itself wasn't like edgy for the time you yeah. know what i mean it wasn't like it wasn't pushing on a taboo at the time necessarily in in the in the same way that like the the kind of the gay content would have been at like that would have been seen as more transgressive yeah. back then right um mm-hmm. we're not turned off by that we're like yeah that's awesome this is hilarious and then you know uh you know watching it now i think i was probably too young to really appreciate it at the time but now watching it i'm like oh yeah the blackface isn't so great but i'm sure there were people back then that were like oh i love this blues band guy and like and we're like but i don't yeah. like this i don't like this scott fella he yeah. seems a bit effeminate for me on you know? when you when you look at the comedy of the time like john hughes movies had like uh long duck dung and and so forth and yeah. it was very common for it just to be funny for someone to play a person of a different race and play up like offensive uh stereotypes and so forth that was that was not edgy that was just broadly accepted humor well, yeah and like not everything they do is edgy yeah. helen's some of it is really lowest <laughs> yeah. common denominator. Helen's is edgy in a different way because don't, it plays with your expectations, man. Anyways, all right. Well, I don't think that I don't know if we've solved this, but I also don't know if there's anything to solve. So uh, <laughs> we, we we talked about some stuff, and that's what a podcast is, is all it, about. Is it possible to be edgy in 2019, or have all the edges been pushed away, and you just you just fall off to the pit when you try? Now, <laughs> I mean, I live in a pit. I live in the pit. <laughs> 2019 <laughs> what would an edgy comedy it would just be like some radical trans acceptance stuff or like uh... no i think that the, the edginess <laughs> of our, our era was all just people that eventually outed themselves as nazis playing with I, that and now well, it's like no, no we're, they're nazis they're, that's, no no but uh, I'm, I'm saying how can we reclaim edgy comedy in 2019 i, I, I think, think it's there's funny like, that the idea I, that the taboos in 2019 are like we made a show where people are nice to each other <laughs> <laughs> it's just really positive well i was I, there's a, a comedy special by tig notaro where she flashes mm. the audience um but she had breast cancer and had a double mastectomy so it's mm-hmm. kind of like the gag is that she doesn't have any like boobs to flash sort of thing mm-hmm. and but it's also like really empowering because it's kind of like she's gone through this thing so like there's like i think that's maybe good edgy comedy in 2019 i don't i can't think of any other good examples but that would be that would be the most in line with the the kids aesthetic i feel like or mouth congress maybe which is apparently (laughs) having a bit of a revival (laughs) 
Yeah, but that's anyway. That's straight rock, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's comedy punk. All right. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think we've exhausted that subject. So let's move on to our next segment, which uh, is a further uh, entry into our series on uh, just talking about mayonnaise. We're just so, so obsessed with condiments. Here. We're really obsessed with the so concept of mayonnaise. Obsessed with condiments. So, you know, I wanted to move on to a bit of a lighter topic after that one uh, and just ask what like makes mayonnaise mayo. mayonnaise? We've kind of we've kind of beaten this topic to death in re- previous episodes, but uh, I don't think we've I still don't think we've given it the, the attention it deserves. But um, this episode, I felt like relied pretty heavily on some of those short bits that I think some of you might call mayonnaise. Mm. Uh, we had two police department sketches, three fact girl bits, uh, which together made up nearly half the episode's sketches. Um <laughs> But for me, the fact girl bits are that good mayonnaise, while the police department bits left me with a bit of a dry sandwich. So whether we like it or not, let's get into it. What makes mayonnaise mayonnaise, and when is it good, and when has it gone off? Mm. So we're looking for the necessary and sufficient conditions for something to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> for me, we're, we're doing a scientific treatise on on mayonnaise at this point. For me, the most defining like factor of something being mayonnaise is simply that they use it again and again. You know, it's like mm. the no. the texture of an individual <laughs> episode might be different, but they just keep on slathering on the mayo. You know, um, I know I think that's that condiments. Other... Anyways. I feel like condiments can be just any kind of short throwaway sketch, but mayo specifically is like, oh, every freaking sandwich has this. They just <laughs> keep using it. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, the term mayo just makes me think about, yes, okay, short sketches, but they have no sign of dark humor. But I also mm. think that there's often, like, the um, the country doctor sketch, I would classify as mayo because i mean it's while so you kind of have long, though it yeah, is i know it's like see, a piece see, of roast beef yeah <laughs> but just a tough chewy this piece is why of personally chewing and chewing because we did not chewing. set the parameters of our condiments early enough in this program <laughs> yes <laughs> i've i've come to believe that mayonnaise is just that kind of light humor that has none of the dark aspects that we were just talking about in the previous segment so for example Yes, totally. Helen's mayo, 100%. But I don't actually categorize the police department as mayo. It's filler, but it doesn't have enough of the kith um, twisted humor. To, and, and I would say it passes as mustard at the very least. Uh. <laughs> it, doesn't, oh it, doesn't, it doesn't add moisture to a sandwich. Oh my That's God. true. So yeah. much moisture talking to you people. <laughs> <laughs> Kalina, you're insane. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that just means you, totally you're just like, sense. if you don't like it, my you're like, My rubric will stand. That's, I'll back like, you up in a sec, That's Kalina. like fluffy, <laughs> right? Like, I think the thing about mayonnaise is that it's a cookie cutter repeated sketch. It's something that like has a very clear format you recognize it immediately, and it keeps coming back. Okay, I'm I'm going to back uh, clean up here in the sense that I I think the defining characteristic of mayonnaise is the niceness <laughs> of it. Like yes. in in a yes. show in a show that's defined so much by its edginess, like the the niceness of mayonnaise is what makes it stand out from those other sketches so exactly so helen's is great for that because it, i mean yes it repeats but it's it's just like oh here's a little some nice ladies having some opinions on things i i i hadn't really thought of it before but clean i totally agree that country doctor is mayonnaise and oh, no. another another <laughs> another uh mayonnaise sketch might be the fletcher christian sketch where he's just like i'm a shoe salesman i have the same name as another guy you, who's more famous than me stretching our understanding of what a condiment is to the point where it loses all meaning things that are longer <laughs> and more based on like 
a setup premise climax payoff kind of structure those are not condiments those are all things that like are going in the sandwich those are like big hunks of <laughs> cheese and little pieces of lettuce and, and an okay that's that's a cheese. fair point yeah that's a fair point so maybe maybe the that's doctor sketches point. more like a butter cheese like a havarti what that could be so sure. to the sandwich analogy <laughs> you know, i don't know we had a very like so food heavy to, analogy it's episode. this should be like seen more as like a, a multi-course japanese meal too you know and <laughs> there's some just palate cleansers where you just wipe some ginger across there's, your tongue there's no way we can come together with that kind of rubric we can't even decide on what a mayonnaise is <laughs> which by what's the way what's what a japanese when mayonnaise? did this what's podcast it just become us uselessly mm, debating what types of condiments to yes trevor <laughs> look because... we've decided to review episodes of a show 30 years after the fact we're going to struggle for new ideas oh. pretty quickly clearly <laughs> that's a wonderful that's a wonderful um segue because it's a fact is fucking trash garbage and i hate it and i hate oh. looking at that ginger and it's awful it's, uh, uh, it's one of those ones uh, where like the helens i see her in the distance and i'm like no no, I just know some what's of coming. some of the It's a Facts girls are funny. They're so I lame. Like They're so lame. Which, She's precocious, and it's always fun whenever they have kids doing. Oh, but I things. hate precocious. Put them in a bin. <laughs> Stu, some people describe you as being a bit precocious. I was about to say you always hate the things that remind you most of yourself. Yeah, right? I have <laughs> I have a tumultuous relationship with myself, and that's that's all there's to it. All right. Well, I don't think we're making any progress. We should probably <laughs> we, we should probably not put... agreed on what, what a condiment or mayo this is. This is turning out to be a great episode. Oh yeah, this is a real. Let's do folks, it a fourth time, folks at home. You know, uh, here I have I have a something to ask you, which is that uh, do you like this show? <laughs> um, <laughs> because. If you do, you should follow us on social media. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter where we're at Kith and Tell Pod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Kith and Tell. Uh, it's basically a gift parade of all the best moments from each episode, uh, which is probably better than this current episode you're listening to right now. So go back through our socials and uh, laugh your time away while we continue talking. You can also email us at contact at kithintel.ca and tell us what you think about the show. We'd love to hear from you. And you might even get your email read on the air. All right. Well, condiments aside, uh, before we move on to our standout sketch of the week, let's make our votes for the best and worst kid of the episode. Hooray. For me, uh, the best kid of the week goes to Scott. He's got a prominent Yay. role in a bunch of sketches. And even though they're all so different from each other, he pulls all of them off. Um, the controversial, though it is, uh, Fago is an iconic sketch, uh, and he's a genius for coming up with it. So uh, so he wins for me. And worst kid of this week, I will give to Mark for what should be obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right on board with you there, uh, Hans. Uh, Mark, God damn it, get rid of the black face. He loses all points for that nonsense. Um, best boy definitely will lob that to Scott for his rendition of the good Canadian hoser in the phone sex gag <laughs> with the chicken lady. And the great delivery and content in the Fago sketch. I, I, I never really considered myself much of a like big big scott fan i guess mostly because sometimes you sit through the buddy sketches and you just <laughs> you know it just doesn't land for me but you know like i am just starting to really appreciate him a lot more and and um i feel like hans you've been sort of leading the charge on that so i'm i'm trailing behind but i'm catching love up. me some scott yes <laughs> uh i gotta give it to bruce i love suicide note i think it's just so <laughs> so funny and like 
the internal dynamics where he kind of picks on Kevin and like makes him do emotional <laughs> labor, and they're all just like, jeez, oh, so it didn't really sweet read. Sing song, oh Kevin, oh, what Kevin? did you think about writing? <laughs> and he has this look of just like despair on his face. I think it's great, and I, I really liked his commitment to the shoe salesman. It's just like he really went for it. He tipped it over. It for was me. that was a good one. That was. Do you have a worse kids do? Let's go with Mark so that I don't look like a racist on <laughs> Twitter. <go>. Wait, <laughs> but yeah, uh, why am I bothering this? to ask? Yeah. Uh, it's also, it's kind of a lazy bit. It's like his preacher. It's like, oh man, you sure did do improv back in the day, didn't you? You had all kinds mm. of characters. Nito Burrito. <laughs> More than anyone, Mark <laughs> You hate his characters. preacher. Oh, I love his preacher. I think his preacher is great. It's just, it's like, oh, okay. it's, it's a lazy bit. Or is it mayonnaise? Yeah, Who enough. the fuck knows? But it's, <laughs> it's, that, it's that definitely just... just <laughs> That you know, is, it might be. That is just like some very great shade that you just laid on <laughs> the entire concept of improv where it's like, is it really off the cuff if you just have like 10 characters that you fall back on every time? Right? Yeah. True. Um, so I will also give it to Scott myself, though. Uh, and I, I think he's actually hitting his stride with the buddy sketches. Um, but also I think his hoser characters team up with Chicken Lady and Phone Sex is pretty good. And mm. uh, Vago is also funny. Although, uh, you two, Hans and Stu, really like it. I'm just like, well, it's sort of funny. Mm. Um, I would like to give Kevin honorable mention, though, because his children's author is hilarious. And also his, <laughs> like, basically playing himself but being just so cowed by Bruce is quite hilarious, too. And True. Worst Kid, of course, goes to Mississippi Gary. So <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about it, but um, Scott, I thought, was also pretty good in the um, in the writer's sketch as the, as the, the femme fatale blonde, you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah this is a great sketch. Yeah, he kind of he kind of did it all this episode. Um, speaking of great sketches, uh, before we go, let's choose our standout sketch with a rating of five fuzzy bunnies. Uh, my tops this week goes to children's novelist. It has a lot of things going on right from the get go, but a small moment I loved in particular is where at the end, Dave just starts sweeping Scott's corpse out the door. Uh, so I gave it a very fuzzy four out of five bunnies. Stu, how about you? Like I said, I also love children's novelist, but I'll mix it up because I'm pretty sure I'm the one who, the one who likes it. Yeah. Suicide. Suicide novel is the best. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird and dark and they really lean into it. And it's so uncomfortable that they joked about one of their own who like does struggle with depression <laughs> writing <laughs> committing suicide and they're all just kind of like ah oh, but like did it have to be so long and like they get so excited about the other guy who more successfully and <laughs> lavishly committed suicide oh yeah he's like, like he went out on a harley yeah <laughs> so i give it four to five suicide footnotes <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, w- I will have to give it to children's novelist, though, um, and I'll give that four to five hard-boiled writers. Um, part of what's funny about it, too, is just like some things which are just kind of lazy set pieces, but they play them up so hamily, like how he sort of stops writing and he's been drinking and then he turns around and there's just a bar in his office. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kalina, how about you? Um, so there, there are definitely some great lines in Suicide Note, like where Mark is sympathizing with Bruce's suicide attempt and saying, look, guys, he doesn't have to explain this to us. I mean, come on. I Don't we don't we all look into the inky abyss of our soul sometimes? And don't you find the roar of the loneliness you find there deafening, man? Just deafening. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, you know, gets out of gets out of his uh, his, his weird inner monologue. Um, but then he also quits. <laughs> a, he, you know, he's written a suicide novel, 160 pages rather than a suicide note. And yeah, like you said, sort of the comparison to the guy who actually followed through, who went naked on the back of a Harley wearing nothing but spurs. Why the spurs? That's such a baller move. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, I do have to give it to Fago. 
In short, it's quick, it's political, and hilarious, uh, and at the same time has stood the test of time. So, Very much so. four out of five evil teas for me. <laughs> oh, those nasty teas. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for our Season 2, Episode 13 review. Join us next week for our review of Season 2, Episode 14, which will be hosted by, drumroll please, Trevor! <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. You didn't say Bye, everybody. <laughs> I did. You just weren't listening, Stu. Oh, my God. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I guess.